open your copy of God's Word to Romans chapter 12. Looking this morning particularly at verses 14 to the end of this, this chapter. Just to give you a quick review from chapter 12, verse 1, that God wants us to present to Him our lives because of His mercy to us in saving us and redeeming us. And the way He wants us to present ourselves to Him is through using the spiritual gifts He's given us that He mentions in verse 3, using the church membership, the gathering of His people together into members of one body, uh, verses 4, 5, 6. Um, using these spiritual gifts, he, he continues to talk about. And then verse 9, he says, Now I want you to be great lovers. I want you to do all of this ministry you're called to do with love. And I want you to be good at it. I want my church, my people, my body to be great lovers. And we looked at that last week. So it just flows into verse 14. Uh, but there's some people that are hard to love. You got anybody in your life that's hard to love? You got anybody in this room that's hard to love? Some of you are hard to love, just, just saying. Uh, I'm hard to love for some of you. It goes both ways. Uh, and God deals with that. That continues to be the context of chapter 12. Sometimes we rip it out of the context and try to apply these verses somewhere else. But let's keep it in the room this morning and think about it. Let's keep it in our homes. Let's keep it in our sphere of influence. It, it doesn't go out. It stays here with us. It's an application we need to be uh, involved in. Verse 20 of this passage says, but if your enemy... Um, so sometimes when we see that word enemy, we think uh, that God's taking the context broader than us because... I typically think, well, I don't have any enemies. I've just got people who are hard to love. And, you no, know, sometimes those people who are hard to love, we, we treat them as though they were enemies. They, they are against us, or we feel like they are against us, and we are against them. And I don't really think the context has changed. It's just intensifying the fact that it is very difficult and hard to love. Now, as soon as... Uh, uh, you say, well, okay, there's enemies that aren't, you know, warlike enemies. You're introducing distinctions. And yes, there are distinctions. There are different kinds of enemies mentioned in the Scripture. So we need to take some time to uh, see what the context particularly is talking about, and, and then we can apply it better. But let me read it for you first. first uh, Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 14 to the end of the chapter. God says... Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. 
For in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, God wants us to love one another. Wants us to be good at it. Wants us to be great at it. We've got to learn to love hard people, difficult people. Well, who are the enemies here? I think, again, they're in the room, but there are different classes of enemies. He's not talking about national or international warfare. He's not talking about countries fighting with countries. We get to that a little bit in chapter 13. When we get down there, when he talks about the government over us and the government's responsibility is to protect uh, and to, to hold the sword, to militarily go into battle for our protection. So that's coming. There are military enemies. But those military enemies, when our nation goes to war against another nation, we're not called to sit down and feed those enemies and give them a drink. We're called to demolish them, to destroy them. When, when you go into warfare, you should go in to destroy. It's destructive. That's a different battle altogether than what's being talked about in chapter 12. Uh, and so I want us to make those distinctions. Another category is in our games or in our sports. Uh, there's an opponent, and those opponents are treated like enemies. But it's the nature of the game. And when you're playing sports and you have an opponent and they're mad at you, get mad at them, okay? When they try to win, you try to win. When they steal the ball, you steal it back. That's how you do it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, run in such a way as to win. Box in such a way as to take your opponent out. Nothing wrong with that. That's not Romans 12. Whole different context and category. That's why I say we have to make some distinctions, and then it makes sense who we're dealing with. Romans 12 is encouraging us to love hard people. Now, remember one of the characteristics of a great lover back in verse 9 is that we become passionate for good, passionate against evil. Verse 9, let, us, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And he's not going to just a few verses later, down in verse 14 and following, um, encourage evil. He's just told us we need to abhor evil. So there are, there are times, there's relationships that he doesn't want us, you know, somebody is being evil towards us. They're acting like our enemy. He doesn't want us to sit down and say, okay, well, uh, be a good lover. I just need to encourage them. I just need to stay with that. No, 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 no. You still abhor evil. You're still against it. That's what makes it hard to love people who are doing evil things. And those evil things affect us. But yet God calls us to love them. But we still abhor what is evil. We still cling passionately to what is good. Um, We've got to be cautious to be good stewards of what God has called us to do. Call out the evil, yes. Cling to what is good. Um, 
okay, so let's love. Let's, let's love people who are hard to love. They're enemies we don't embrace. We don't embrace our military enemy. We don't embrace our opponent in um, sports and games and in those kind of battles. We don't embrace the evil that's in the room. We abhor it. But there are times we embrace our enemies. What are those? This passage, because of all the conflict and because of its association perhaps with chapter 13, it gets confusing. So let's go to a clearer passage. Let the clear passage help you interpret at times what's a little more obscure. Look at Matthew chapter 5. This is a clearer passage on loving people that are difficult and hard to love. And I want us to get some categories here and then go back to, to Romans 12 and we see how Scripture interprets Scripture and helps us out. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking his great sermon on the mount. Uh, let's look at verse 43 to the end of this chapter. Let me read it for you. Jesus speaking says, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's think about the categories of people that Jesus mentions here. Enemies we are to embrace with love. The first category are antagonistic people. People who are difficult because they come at us. Verse 43 is, is, Jesus is using a phrase talking to Pharisees that Pharisees frequently use. Uh, verse 43 again says, you have heard that it's said. So you've heard this. You shall love your neighbor. If you've got uh, certain translations, put it all in caps, meaning it's a quote from the Old Testament. But then the caps fall off and hate your enemy. Because that's a phrase the Pharisees added. You don't find that in the law of God. You don't find it in the Old Testament. Uh, that love your neighbor but hate your enemies. Uh, the love your neighbor passage is Leviticus 19. It's not in Leviticus 19, love and hate. And there are other passages in Scripture. Uh, one's Proverbs uh, 25. I'll just show you a reference. So even if you just had the Old Testament um, in Jesus' day, you wouldn't have come to the conclusion uh, that the Pharisees came to. Proverbs 25, verse 21 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. I've heard that before. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. So it's not a passage on hate. Uh, when Jesus says, You've heard it said, love your enemy, hate your, I mean, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, he's saying, That's what you've heard, but I want you to love your enemy. He's really calling them back to the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law was to love people who were our enemies in this category. He says, that's what I want you to do. I know the Pharisees are trying to teach you something different. That's not right. Verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Um, there are conflicts we have. People are against us. They don't like us. Uh, they may be near us. 
They may be withholding affection from us. That's the people God says, I, I want you to love your neighbor, those neighbors. I don't want you to hate them. I know you might not like them. Uh, here, let me give you a great passage. Hebrew, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 3. This is a passage for husbands and wives. And husbands and wives in this passage are being antagonistic. They're being difficult. They're being harsh. And chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it talks about wives. You've got a husband that is really off track. How can you win him through love and encouragement? And it goes on. And then husbands, you've got a wife. Uh, down in verse 7, that's, that's difficult. How can you still live with her in an understanding way and minister to her? And then I want to get you to verse 8 and 9. It says, uh, 1 Peter 3, to sum it all up, he says, I want you to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil, insult for insult. See, that's what's been going on in the, in the home. Evil for evil, insult for insult. Y'all been treating one another like enemies. Not like lovers. Not like husbands and wives. And that needs to stop. It's love your wife. Love your husband. Love your enemy. Instead of this back and forth antagonistic lifestyle that was going on Peter's trying to correct it. Jesus is speaking to the same thing. I want my church to be great lovers. And in order to be great lovers, you've got to deal with people that aren't great lovers. They're hard to love. You've got to encourage them. They need to encourage you. So people who are at times are difficult. They're antagonistic. They seem to always be out to get us. They seem to be coming at us. They seem to be in attack mode rather than in the mode of embracing and loving. You may know somebody like that. You may be somebody like that. God says, I want us to embrace those kind of people. Um, evil people, verse 45, back in Matthew 5, says, So that you may be sons of your Father who in heaven, He causes His Son to rise, fall on the evil. God's description. There are people that are just evil people. And he says, but God loves evil people. The sun falls on the evil and the good. The rain falls on the evil and the good. Says, you can do that. You can pour out love on evil and good. You don't just focus on the good ones. God doesn't. He doesn't want you to. He wants us to learn to love evil people. Now, evil people are hard to love. Why? Because evil people, in my opinion, they're hard to trust. If somebody steals from you, that's evil. If somebody speaks against you, that's evil. They slander you, that's evil. And you see a pattern of that, hey, hey would you trust this person with anything? That's going to be difficult. I have a hard time trusting people who are acting poorly, badly. And God says, I want you to continue to pour out love just like God does. Pours out the grace and the mercy of the sun and the rain on the evil and those who are not. 
Well, third category, selfish people, verse 46. He says, if you love those who love you, so people give you something back in return. Uh, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Tax collectors, it's, it's rare that you get something back, right? They just take, 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 take. Got anybody like that? Whatever you do, they, oh, yep, they take it, they take it, they take it, they take it. If you want to give it to them, they take it. But it doesn't come the other way. They're not givers, they're just takers. And those are hard people to love because it's sometimes you just you get tired of giving, 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 and they're just taking, taking, taking. And you want a little in return. Difficult people to love. Selfish people uh, are no better than the tax man is the way they're being described here. Um, they only concentrate on their own advantage. And then a fourth category, different people. People that are just different from us. Verse 47, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So there's Gentiles, there's Jews, there's brothers, there's non-brothers. There's people who are different than us. They're different races, different colors, different uh, economic status, different jobs. There's just so many differences. So I want you to love people like that. Not just people who are like you. Our tendency is to like ourselves and then we like people who are like us, and then we get in these little cliques where it's our clique and everybody in the cliques like us. That's our natural proclivity. We like that. He said, there are people outside of that realm that I need you to love as well. They're different from you in so many ways. So I think God is asking us, how's your love? Is it, is it narrow or is it broad? Is your love too narrow? Are you loving people just like you? That's pretty narrow. Do you love people who are selfish? That would be a little broader. Do you love people that are evil? A little broader still. Do you love people that come against you? They're antagonistic. They come at you with hate. God said, I want you to learn to love that way. The hard people. The antagonistic people. The evil people. The selfish people, the different people. So evaluate your love. Who are we loving? Are we just loving people like us? Obviously, he's saying we've got to get better than that. Anybody can do that. That's not a great lover. I'm asking my church to be great at loving. If you're only great at loving one person, great, but not good enough. We need to get better. We need to get to the place where we're loving antagonistic, selfish, evil, different kinds of people. Well, then we need a strategy. And that's what I want to spend our time on now is a strategy. How do we love people who are hard to love? How do we love people hard to love? Three things. We've got to learn to accept them the way they are. We've got to pray for them and really pray for a blessing for them. And then third, we've got to learn to give to them. Here's a strategy for loving hard people. God puts in place. I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 12 and, and look at this text with the strategy in mind that I think that's the context. Moving from being great lovers to loving hard people all with a sense of application. Accept people the way they are. Go back to Romans 12, verse 17 
18 says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Verse 21, don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Somebody comes at you and they're evil. says, if possible, make it a situation of peace. Give back to them peace. They're coming at you with warfare. Give back peace. Verse 17, they come at you with evil. Don't give back evil. Give back love. Give back compassion. To do that, there's a sense in which we have to accept them right where they are and not say, well, I want to change them. Because when they come at me with evil, my mind says, well, I need to change that. I need to fix that. And God says, no, just give them love. They come at me with warfare. Well, I need to fix that. He says, no, just give them peace. Don't be overcome with what they are bringing to you. You take to them, and that's what it means, this military term, don't be overcome with evil. Don't be covered up with the way they are treating you. You seek to cover them and literally cover a multitude of sins with love. You go back at them with love. That requires a certain acceptance, acceptance of who they are, the way they are. It's not a payback ministry. It's, it's a ministry of loving them. Uh, even tells us to stay back from, from the whole payback mentality. Verse 17, never pay back evil for evil. He says, that's, that's not the mentality. It's like, you know, if somebody comes at me, it's like, I want to get back. I want to win. I don't want to just win. I want to one-up. No, he says, no. Don't pay back. Accept them the way they are. They're not like us. I get that. Understand that. Love them first. Um, aren't, you God, aren't you glad God didn't wait for us to change? Before he loved us. God loves us while we were yet enemies. God loves us while we are hostile. God loves us while we are antagonistic. God loves us while we are evil. God loves us when we are selfish. God loves us when we are just takers, takers, takers. He says, I know that's who you are. He accepts us on that level. You are a sinner. And not possible. Is It's not possible for you to ever do anything pleasing in my sight. You are at enmity with me, the scripture says. And yet God loves us in that state. That's, he's asking you and me to get there. To love people that don't deserve to be loved but the kind of people he wants to love, his church. We can love one another. We come out of this darkness of sin, and we grow little by little. And that's why some of us are still really hard to love. Some of us should be a lot better, to, easier to love by now. But we still got to back up and deal with this sin of being antagonistic and evil and selfish takers instead of givers we've got to turn from that sin and grow in it God says I want you to learn to accept people right where they are and start loving them second strategy 
pray and bless them. Look at verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Um, it's in reference back over in Matthew. It's, it's that blessing of the, the sun shining, the rain falling on the evil and the righteous. Bless them like God blesses them. Give them something. Minister to them in some way. And there's, I think, a focus on praying for them as well. This, this whole term is to bless, to seek, to inquire for them on their behalf. Um, when somebody, you know, messes with me, they steal something, they take something, they slander, they speak against me. Um, one of the first thoughts in my mind, sadly, is, okay, I see what's happening here. I'm not going to deal with this person again. I mean, you, you've been mean to me once. Shame on you. Mean to me twice. Shame on me. I, I, I need to note who you are. And I just need to determine right now, you're not somebody I, I want to spend my time with. Are y'all like that? God said, I want you to bless them. Do what? I want you to bless them. I want you to pray for them. Okay, I'll pray, but I'm going to pray they change, right? How many of these hard people in your life, you're praying for them, and you're constantly pleading with God, God change them. They are messed up, and they are harmful, and they hurt me. Change them. God said, no, no, no. I didn't ask you to pray for change. I asked you to pray for a blessing. Do what? They don't deserve a blessing. They're mean. They're evil. They're antagonistic. They're selfish. God says, I know. I got that. I have already accepted them. That's where you need to go. And then start praying for a blessing. Why? It's the loving kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Ask God to pour out His loving kindness on evil people. Antagonistic people. Selfish people. Not to change them. To just love them. That's typically not our prayers. That's where we're cutting short the, the redemption and, and the, the mercy and the ministry that could be flowing through us to others. We've got to learn to pray for people and to pray a blessing on them. I still remember one of the huge blessings I received right after I got saved. I was in a music group um, practicing for singing Christmas tree in Greenville and the music teacher famous music teacher in Greenville public schools when she finished the choral practice started in early September practicing all the way to December every week and every week we would gather together and she would end that time said now before you go home all of us we were old enough to drive our own cars and get home. So now before you go home, let's pray. Public school teacher said, we're going to pray. She said, I'm going to pray one thing. I'm going to pray you go home and you tell your mama and your daddy that you love them. And I heard that like five or six, seven times. I said, this lady's serious. She wants me to go home and love my mama and my daddy. That's what she prays for. She prayed, 
and we would be dismissed. Well, she was praying for a blessing. She wasn't praying that I would change to be a better singer, performer, help her out. She was praying that God would use me to be a blessing to my mom and dad, and that would be a blessing to me. Well, one night the Holy Spirit convicted me that I had been living now for 17 years. I had never told my mom and dad I loved them. I must have been a really hard person to love. I didn't even love my mama and daddy. So I went home one night after practice real late and knocked on their door, said, can I turn on the light and come in? They said, yes. I said, I, I need to confess sin. I said, I've never told you I've loved you. And I said, I love you, mama, and I love you, daddy. And it changed the household because one person was praying for a blessing not asking for a selfish return. Do we pray for people like that, brothers and sisters like that, so that we learn to love hard people? Hard people have hard lives, and they need mercy, and they need ministry. And God said, I want you to bless them. When they give you criticism, give them a compliment. When they give you war, give them compassion. You know, this, this passage, Romans 12 says, I want you to learn to rejoice when they rejoice, to weep when they weep. Have you ever had somebody come and literally sit down beside you and just are thrilled when you show them the, the, the photos? They rejoice when you rejoice. Or they weep when you show them sadness. What a blessing. You're giving someone a blessing when you rejoice when they rejoice. And you weep when they weep. And that's what God's asking. Accept them right where they are and then bless them. And pray for them that the love of God would penetrate them. It's not about you getting something back in return. And it's not about us paying back them for their mean ways. Let's pray for them and bless them. And then third, this whole reference to give to them is such a strong uh, part of the application here. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. That's a gift. Uh, bless, do not curse. Compliment, not curses. 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's a blessing. Verse 16, the same mind. Start thinking like they think to understand. Don't be haughty. Don't think that you've got it all figured out and you're always above them. Uh, not at all. Uh, not payback. It's a gift, verse 17. If possible, give out peace. Don't take revenge. Let God deal, deal with bad stuff if bad stuff needs to happen. God says, I want you to give. Are we good givers to those who are hard to love? Just remember the gospel. Don't forget the gospel in loving other people. What's the gospel? What's the good news? Is that God loves sinners. God loves sinners. God didn't say he loved us because we were good. We had great potential. We had great possibilities. No, he loved us while we were sinners. God didn't come to us and retaliate because of all of our hostilities towards him. He came and he loved us. He gave his son and reigned. 
He doesn't, he doesn't do that arbitrarily. We don't talk much about God chastening a church, God chasing an individual, God chasing a nation. But sometimes he does that even with the weather. God could just as easily only give one of us rain and sun, and the rest of us are in darkness. God chooses to be a giver. He's given to so many. It's broad. Um, would you go back with, to me again? I, I said I wanted to come back to... Uh, 1 Peter 3. I, this is such a great passage. And it talks about this giving aspect that I didn't read a minute ago. 1 Peter 3, verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. You were called for the very, that very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. How many times do, are we in war with our spouse? That's the context here. Husbands and wives aren't getting along. They're in war. And God says, wives, this is how you're supposed to do it in war. Husbands, verses 1 through 6. Verse 7, husbands, this is how you're supposed to do it. He only gives husband one verse. They can't keep up with much. You know? He says, this is your part. This is how you do it. And then he gets down to verse 8 and 9. He says, let me just sum this all up. I said, I don't want to leave this until you get it. But let me sum it up for you again. I want you to quit fighting. Be harmonious. I want you to be sympathetic. Start feeling what they feel. I want you to be brotherly. I want you to be kind-hearted. I want you to be humble. Quit thinking you got it, and they don't. Quit trying to change them. Insult for insult, evil for evil. Quit. Instead, give. Give a blessing. What are you giving to your spouse? What are you giving to that person who is hard to love? That's our obligation, is to be givers when it gets hard um, at loving, loving others with gifts. Um, that uh, passage in, in Romans 12, it talks about uh, leave room for God to have the vengeance. You see it here. Look in, in, in 1 Peter. He wants us to give like Christ gave. Look back over at um, chapter 2, verse 22. Who committed... No sin, it's talking of Christ, was in any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, so this is when he starts getting treated harshly. He didn't revile in return. And suffering, uh, while suffering, he uttered no threats. Notice this phrase. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. That's a big statement. Christ says, I'm going to trust this to God the Father. My time on earth is not going to be spent fighting hard people to love. God's got that. Father's got that. Vengeance is the Lord's. He keeps track. He'll take care of that. Jesus says, I've got other things to do, and what I've got to do, I've come to love sinners. And that's where Christ spends his time. If Christ can trust God the Father with the vengeance that's needed, you and I can too. 
Quit trying to do payback. Quit trying to be mean. Quit trying to be evil. Quit trying to do what they do. We need to be giving blessings. Trust God to give the wrath when the wrath is needed, when the wrath will come. You can trust God. Verse 24 of chapter 2, And He Himself bore our sins on the body of the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Christ stayed focused on self-denial, denying Himself to do the ministry God had called Him to do. Um, What happens if you don't do it that way? Quite frankly, you're a loser. You're overcome with evil. You're the one that gets overcome. He says, don't be overcome with evil. Don't be a loser. Overcome evil with good. And many times, the very way we treat people who are hard to love sets us up to lose. That's why I'm encouraging we do a better strategy. Instead of being the one who loses and is overcome by evil, be the one who wins and overcomes evil with good, with the blessing that God wants for us. All of Romans 12 is absolutely impossible without Christ and His mercy. That's why the chapter began by saying, because of the mercies of God. This is what I want you to do. We need Christ. We need His mercy. We need to turn from our selfish ways Our love, the love that God wants in us is costly love. World is not like us at all. The world, the non-Christian world will say, that person's causing you too much pain, too much anxiety. It's not worth it for you. You just need to get out. When it gets hard, get out. That's the way our world lives. Christ says, I want you to be great lovers. And by the way, it's going to get hard. And when it gets hard, I want you to stay the course. I don't want you to be overcome with evil. I want you to learn how to love antagonistic people, how to learn to love evil people. I want you to learn to love selfish people. I want you to to, to love these people who are just different and awkward. Love them and give them a blessing. And the world will know you by and know me by your love. That's where God's called us to be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a better view, a better vision, a better way, a better life, a fruitful existence. Lord, we want to love like Christ loved. Let us be overcome with the mercy and compassion of Jesus. We confess many times we've been way too harsh, way too mean, revengeful, selfish, hurtful. Forgive us, cleanse us. May our lives not be spent trying to change people. May we be spent and spent for Christ trying to love people that are hard to love, just like us. Have mercy, Lord, and let the love of Christ flow through us for your glory and honor. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.